folks uh ricky and i here on a prelude we first off we're doing this be not for money or anything else we're doing it because we love hunting and we love talking about it and we love talking to many different people uh ricky and myself became enthralled with south florida and the everglades when we went down two years ago for a turkey hunt you will hopefully get more of these kinds of guests on the show you had to listen to them because from a personal standpoint we enjoy listening to what they have to say because it's such a different kind of hunting style down there and i've always heard that my whole life i've never experienced it but when you get down there it is amazing and these guys that do this day in and day out it's truly remarkable what they can do and harvest animals down there um this show will have some audio issues but in the true form and fashion of how we want to run our show, what you know, we're going to do real time. We're not going to do fake. We're not going to do much editing. We're going to let it flow. The talk over part is mostly my problem. I like I tend to talk over people, and that's not because of anything other than my ADD. Uh, Ricky's more, you know, sit back and and wait. I am attack mode. It's just two different styles, but we're working on it, guys. Y'all gotta y'all gotta bear with us. This is we we're new to this, so we're gonna iron all this stuff out. We're gonna get better. Our guest today did not have a good cell phone start signal, and some storms rolled in on him towards the end of our podcast. It gets really garbled, and we end up talking over each other a lot because we couldn't hear each other talking. But when I did the playback, it's there. Bear with us. Enjoy the show. Ricky's here with me right now. Say hey, Ricky. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Yeah, I just wanted to add the. Uh... The, there's so much tradition in the way they hunt in South Florida and the way they have hunted. But even without that, it's just a different animal and uh, it's very interesting and very difficult. And uh, I think there's a lot of value in what these guys, how these guys go about what they do. So I really enjoy talking to Eddie. Yeah. I would, I, I would venture to say these guys spend more days of field than most other public land hunters throughout the state geographically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. And I tell you what, guys, we have gotten some crazy good feedback this week. Uh, apparently, our show is being heard from all over the place. We never expected that. We, we haven't been doing it long, but we didn't expect it to grow like this. We appreciate every one of you. If there's anything that we can do different, shoot us a message. We might listen. <laughs> Remember, we're doing this as a hobby, but we're hoping that we're doing it right. And our, our audio will get better. Our technology will get better the more farther we go with the show. I just want to say on behalf of myself, and I'm sure Ricky, we, we, we love you all and thank you. Enjoy the show today because we definitely did. So this would be Mr. Eddie Caceres. I'm Justin Bullard. And I'm Ricky Bullard. And we are definitely from the woods. Hi, folks. This is Justin Bullard with From the Woods, along with Ricky. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And today we have a guest that we've wanted to have on, have on for a while. Uh, being that it is deer season in South Florida right now, we've always wanted to have somebody on that can tell us about that craziness that is down there in South Florida. Um, his name is Eddie Caceres. And Eddie, we you introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. My name is Eddie Caceres here on the show. <laughs> where do you live uh where do you live uh eddie miami florida Ooh. born and raised and let's see what do you do for a living i'm a bail bondsman slash bounty hunter slash public adjuster and i'm getting into being a captain so i'm doing those endeavors now as well 
slash turkey slayer too i can tell that i've seen your pictures <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 well don't worry we're gonna save the turkey for because me and ricky are both insane turkey nuts and we <laughs> we're obsessed with turkey hunting and we uh we'll get into that towards the end of the show because we're excited about that yeah, yeah. very yeah. interesting in south florida turkey hunt excellent i'll tell you why it is because both me and Rick, ricky and myself have been down there for two years and had our butts handed to us um oh. and the, the the sheer fact that you guys can routinely harvest turkeys down there is absolutely mind-boggling we'll get into that later uh what's your your name on instagram ey2k hunter so it's at e y 2k hunter okay. um it's pretty much my name's eddie and year 2000 is when i started hunting hard so ey2k and then hunter sure people ask me all the time what it means and i've been waiting to, i've been waiting to this podcast to ask you so i'm glad i know now yeah so when did you start hunting obviously you fished too we'll get into that when did you start hunting well my first real hunts i was 15 years old and i started hunting the wmas here in south florida big cypress national preserve uh the bear island unit it was a lot more turkey well it was a lot more turkey harvest then than there is now oh that sucks i was actually going to ask you about that how's it going population wise and why why well um there used to be cattle in there so it looked just like Dinner Island Ranch. It was cow pasture and uh, native woods. But then I guess the state bought back the land from the people that had the grazing rights. So the whole place has like 20-something um, years of overgrowth now. It's definitely a jungle. Uh, Ricky and myself found an old fence. We were like five and a half miles in, in Bear Island, actually. And we found this old fence. I'm like, man, that's a cool story right there. There, wasn't a, there was just fence posts going across the savannah. It was beautiful before. It was like being on any Florida cattle ranch. I did not know that. Ricky, did you know anything about that? Uh, I'd heard that before. And just from looking at the uh, satellite imagery, I, you can tell some of it, how it used to be pasture. But I didn't know. I didn't know that far, that far up north was. No. Ricky, you got a little bit of background, just letting you know. But go ahead. Go ahead, Eddie. I was going to say, for those that like Florida knowledge, some of the old ranches, when they're called islands, it meant that they had a canal going around the property so the cattle couldn't get away. Hence, Dinner Island Ranch, Bear Island Unit. No kidding. Did you guys know that? I did not know that. Uh, South Florida is like another country to us up here in North Florida. We're all just pine rows and thickets and y'all down there. It's, it's, it's an amazing habitat, truthfully. Thanks. So... Wow. So it's kind of like Idaho. I hunt in Idaho too. And out there they have on federal lands, on government lands, they have grazing rights and you'll see cows 15 miles in. You'll, your cow will walk up to you and scare you to death. And they actually drive fences up the mountains, up through the rock and over the mountains. It's crazy. So I guess it used to be that way down South. Yes, sir. Well, Dinner Island still has cattle on there. So hmm. some of the uh, WMA still have grazing rights. Speaking of WMA for deer hunting, First, I'm going to ask, do you do mostly private, mostly public, or mostly, well, do you try to do mostly quota? I do a little bit of everything. My main is a public land with no quotas, but I'm just like everyone else hunting for those quotas, you know, waiting for them to come in. But I do you. have a lot of friends that don't want to put in the homework or don't have the knowledge. So I do get invited on a lot of quotas. I'll tell you what, the open public land down there is 
brutal. And like I said, again, you guys that can do it. And when I finally saw it with my own eyes, I mean, back in the uh, Florida Sportsman Forum days, I used to see pictures and it's like, I'm like, why is everybody holding a deer floating in the water? And now that I've been down there, I'm like, I get it. But of course, turkey season is the dry year, dry part of year, correct? Yes, sir. Turkey season is the dry season. And then the bull season is the wet season down here. And every time I talk to Ricky and I'm like, man, or Ricky usually brings it up. Ricky's a hardcore public land hunter up here. Um, I'm just now getting into it, but he's had the wild hair up his ass to uh, want to go down there for deer season. I'm like, buddy, you realize that Turkey's the dry season. I cannot even imagine doing what we do when it's knee deep or waist deep than water. Yeah. Knee deep, a uh, hundred degrees uh, Fahrenheit, a hundred percent humidity. The mosquitoes will carry you away. You got to deal with all the venomous snakes in the water panthers bears are a common sight so there's a lot of apex wow. predators while you walk around the swamps at night um good rick that's the that's the only issue with that i was i was concerned with the last time i went down there deer hunting i actually went in somewhere a little bit further north by a canoe but uh just getting in there i couldn't i felt like i couldn't carry enough water to last me all day i was carrying I think four liters all together with my camel pack and an extra bottle and it still wasn't enough. I still had to leave before, you know, I was ready to leave. I've had days of uh, two gallons of water, like full hunting days in the, in the fall. I mean, uh, two gallons of water and I don't even use the restroom. I just sweat it all out. Yeah, I believe it. And I, I keep calling you uh, South Florida crazies. That's not a negative connotation. That's actually, I'm impressed with you down there because y'all can do, y'all can put up with this stuff to kill a deer um speaking of panthers are there more now than before and are they eating all the deer and turkeys because when i when i sucked a big one down there trying to kill a turkey when i didn't even hear a gobble or see a track um i'm like yeah panthers ate them all that's it's not my fault it's panthers fault no 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 actually we have theories you know the biologists have their own theories and then the woodsmen have their own yes the panther population i think they were released in 96 and as a deer hunter, I didn't see them explode in population until about 2012. But I think a lot of them have kind of moved on. So it was a big, um, it was very difficult for us at first just seeing the deer disappear. Mm. I don't know if you guys are familiar that they did a three-year study called the South Florida Deer Study where they collared over 120 deer. Do you guys know that? I think I heard about that on Ronella. Something about a hurricane. They they a hurricane came through and they they were able to see the uh, deer patterns during the hurricane. It was pretty impressive. Correct, correct. One of my buddies actually harvested a buck. Um, and they they said, you know, when you call in a band on a duck, they sent him his deer's movements under oh. the main highways of I seventy five. Wow, that's that's really freaking cool. Um, was so there a lot of panther in that study? Yeah, in that study, it shows you that like 70% of the deer that were collared were killed by panthers. Golly. So then the biologists say that the collar made them a target. I, you know, I don't believe that to each his own. Well, here's the problem. The biologists in the state let panthers loose down there, and then they say, oh, well, now the deer population's lower. Um, we're also going to lower, and you're not going to be able to shoot does anymore. It's, it's our fault, but you got to pay for it. Right. And it wasn't there like four hunters, four deer killed by hunters in that study. That was it. Something like that. Yes, sir. And going back to the Panthers adverse effects on Turkey, our theory is that um, it's the opposite. We believe that the Panthers actually helped the Turkey as weird as it sounds. And I'm going to tell you why. One of the WMAs that uh, 
has most of the turkeys down here. It is also one of the ones that has the most panthers. <laughs> so our theory goes the panthers ate all the small mammals that raid nests and eat baby turkeys. So oh. in that WMA, you don't see many coons, you don't see many coyotes, you don't see many possums. And our theory is the panther probably has eaten them all. Of course, not all of them, but has thinned the herd greatly, you know? My favorite part of this podcast is learning things and eye-opening. That right there, I have never thought of. And I'm pretty sure Ricky and myself know exactly where you're talking about. And that is a an outstanding theory because we can't keep raccoons and possums under control up here in North Florida. They're absolutely wiping out the turkey population, along with poor timber um, practices, choked undergrowth. But wow, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I never never thought about it like that before, but that makes complete sense. And that that is that is a woodsman theory. That is not a uh, a biologist point of view. Right. Yeah. That's a very practical theory though. I'm going to go buy some panthers, man. <laughs> hey man, you guys know I'm one of the hunters that has seen the most up close and personal at night walking into my stand. Oh. I've seen maybe about 7 that, I was going to ask you that next. Have you had any close encounters or oh. uh, any close encounters that would scare scare the city folk? Yes, sir. I had a real bad one. I was walking down this trail during a bow hunt. And back then, um, the firearm laws within Big Cypress National Preserve were not well established. So you were not allowed to carry like a handgun for protection in the archery unit, blah, blah, blah. So I was uh, just with my bow, in other words, and I was walking down. I was actually bicycling down a trail. You know, as hunters, we're used to seeing the deer's reflection of the eyes at night with green, right? They reflect green. Right. So I'm going down this trail, and all of a sudden, I see some red eyes, and then it jumps straight up in the air. And when it jumps straight up in the air, I seen like four feet of tail under it, you know, like Tigger from Disney or whatever. Oh, yeah. I said, oh, I hit the brakes. And then we were about five yards from each other, 4 a.m., <laughs> All I had was my bow, no firearm. I was on a bicycle. And then I guess my my headlamp was um, shining it up, but it wasn't leaving. And then uh, it didn't howl at me, but he put his ears back and opened his mouth like in confusion, you know, kind of like semi-aggressive. And then it wasn't budging. I wasn't budging. And I said, man, the longer I am here, the more in danger I am, you know? Exactly. So I thought primitive. And I grabbed my bicycle and I used it like a shield. You know, imagine putting it like a shield in front of you. And I took out um, a knife I had. You know, it was um, not a folding knife. It was like a fixed blade knife. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't give the panther my back. And I just walked away from it, walked away from it, walked away from it in the dark. And I guess it left me alone. South Florida crazies, people. I'm telling you, when I'm down there, I tell myself, say I'm hiking in, you know, two miles before daylight for a dang turkey. I'm telling myself, they're more afraid of uh, of me than I am of them. But when I hunt out west in Idaho, when you're sleeping on the side of a mountain, a spike camp or whatever, everybody's asking me, are you afraid of the bears? Are you afraid? No, man, I'm afraid of a lion because a bear's going to let you know he's coming. A lion's not. You're never in those, those lions out there do kill people yearly. And it, they creep me out because they're so silent, they're so stealthy, and they're 100% built for killing. Killing machine. Now, I have also never seen a grizz out there, but I want to. But I just want to see it from about a mile away. That's one of the reasons why I don't think I'd hunt out west without a guide for now, because I have no knowledge of the 
big brown bears or the grizzlies. I don't well, want to get caught up with those things, you know. In the state of Wyoming, you're not allowed to hunt uh, national forest land without a guide. So that's for that reason. People are getting eaten out there. Go ahead, Rick. I was just going to share the the one time I've seen a panther in my life was this past spring uh, down in Big Cypress. And I was walking down the road, finally found turkey sign. So I'm looking at I'm looking at tracks and I look up and I was like, oh, a deer. And then it turned sideways to run. And I realized it was a panther. And I, I but, you know, North Florida, we're not used to seeing panthers. But as soon as he turned sideways, it was very obvious, you know, how the difference between a panther and a bobcat. Once you see him sprawled out across a two lane road. Yeah, the, long, the long tail gives it away instantly, Every right? Every time it yeah. does. Yeah. The biggest one I've seen I saw crossing the road. And there was two hunters in my truck. And from inside the truck, we all freaked out. I mean, I had seen a bunch. I'd seen maybe five or six out of the seven I've seen. That was the the apex one, the alpha male, you know? Wow. I, that I've thing seen looked, my My opinion, when we saw it, it looked like a female African lion got out of the zoo. Do they have a black face? They have some dark markings. Sometimes it's because they're wet, so they appear darker. Sometimes people call them black panthers because in a shadow wet, they reflect like if they're black. But um, some of these, the South Florida ones do have some dark markings on the face, yes. I've, I've seen two up here in North Florida. Um, one was right across the river in South Georgia, actually. It was the first one I ever saw in my life, and it was crossing the road, and I said, my gosh, look at the tail on that thing. So I knew it wasn't a bobcat. The second one I saw was in my hunting club, and I was like, look at that deer walking away. I was a deer. I thought it was a deer in the road about 200 yards away walking away from us, and it turned sideways, just like Rick said, and you see that tail stick out. Well, that same cat, I'm assuming the same cat, had attacked a neighbor's horses, and the neighbor was like, called fwc we're like hey man they're they're attacking my horses claw marks down the horse's butt you know whatever and they're like well there's no panthers around here and he's like okay so when i shoot this thing <laughs> i'm gonna prove to you next time he harasses my horses i'm gonna kill him you know yep yeah i was gonna say let's not get into the black panther thing i think the three of us know better but <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 that's some uh clay, that's some clay newcomb stuff we're not getting into right, that right right um eddie um yes What's your weapon of choice down there uh, for both, you know, like productivity or just love? Weapon of choice. You mean my favorite hunting um, device to go into the woods? Yes, sir. Like, is it muzzleloader? Is it is it bow? I'd have to say muzzleloader. Do you think that they plan the seasons around the rut down there for muzzleloader? Because up North Florida, we, man, the two weeks of muzzleloader, it is lights out on fire like the last week of bow no, in the two weeks of muzzleloader it is you better be in a tree somewhere yeah no our rut all we get is like a tail end of the rut and we get it during bow it's pretty much slow until then for the rest of the season however this is another fun fact of uh, south florida deer versus everyone else's deer any one particular doe can go into estrus at any time of the year whether think, she gets pregnant or not, or the fawn makes it or not, that's a different story. I wonder if that's just like an adaptation so you, of the you, tropical. I mean, we we call it a second rut during the late season of rifle. Anytime there's a cold snap, like the like one of some of the last cold snaps are our season down here usually ends by January first. 
And if there's a cold snap, everybody says, oh, the second rut, the second run, you'll go and you'll see the same does. No rutting activity. Hmm. But as hunters, all of us have seen like one doe or a few in our in our lifetime just being dogged by a buck at the end of December, you know? What, what's while, cold? While beyond? other deer have sorry, while other deer have their horns dropping already. What's uh what's a cold snap to y'all? Fifty degrees. <laughs> That's that's cool. That's at least you get something down there, man. I I pray for cold weather. I was born in the wrong state. I've lived here my whole life, and I love the cold weather. That's why I go out to Idaho in October, and it's two below zero at night, and it's beautiful, 45, 50 degrees during the day. I love it, man. If you go to if you come to Miami when it's fifty degrees, you're gonna see everybody wearing a parka. Everybody's freaking out, huh? Yeah, it's hilarious. And they make long lines to buy hot chocolate at the little cafes on the corner. <laughs> Well, hopefully, uh, Ricky and myself will be back down there in turkey season. Hopefully, our buddy Eddie might help us out. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you guys on. You can't give away my spots on the podcast. We don't, we, that's our rule, Ricky. Ricky uh, put his foot down immediately. The first time we talk about a podcast, no droppings, names of anything anywhere. I mean, other than Cypress, because Cypress is <laughs> – yeah, it doesn't so matter. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first thing we talked about. We almost bleeped one out last week. <laughs> He thought I was gonna go there. I wasn't. Um, Eddie, when you're, uh, we'll go. We'll archery first. When you're archery hunting, are you are you stand hunting? Are you stalking? Or what you doing? Because a lot of people up north might be surprised am, to hear this. I am mostly a stand hunter. Okay. Deer with a bow. I am mostly a stand hunter. And then muzzleloader. Do you herd stalk them or what? I stand hunt as well. I mean, th for me, because I'm six foot three and like almost three hundred pounds. It's hard for me to stalk them in the swamp, so it's more effective for me to set up an ambush on a stand and wait them out. That way they don't hear me coming through the water. Because remember, you're chasing them through the water. They feel that and they hear it. It's like a wave going towards them. Shwak, shwak, shwak. Yeah, and folks, Eddie's not a, a, a fat 300 pounds. He's jacked. <laughs> He's a big old <laughs> dude. <laughs> I'm not going to fight him anytime soon. That's so you're uh now you have a you have a buddy down there that's a legend in his own mind and does does he stalk him i thought i heard him say he stalks some yes he spotted and stalks his hunting style i mean he stand hunts as well but if nothing's going on on the stand he's gonna get out and try to find him that's well, ray martin yeah folks we're talking about the one and only ray martin um him and eddie are really good friends good hunting buddies um ricky and myself heard a story years ago it might have been on a podcast about a muzzleloader quota hunt, I guess it was in Cyprus, but they were talking about how they camped on an island. And Ricky, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was a it was a couple guys. They went, uh, I don't know, I know, I know it was in Cyprus, but I don't know where at. But anyways, they uh they went in, they camped uh on a an oak oak head or something, just that one of those patches of pines and palmettas that's higher ground. But they went in like four or five miles and then set up there and camped, like I'm sure a lot of people do. But and then they just hunted from there, and uh, they were very successful stalking. But uh, yeah, I I don't remember many of the details. I just know they were doing spot and stalk with muzzleloaders. Yeah, ever since I heard that, I'm like, that sounds fun. And then I get down there, and I'm like, man, when you're five miles from a from a road, you might as well be on the moon out here. Like you are by yourself. You better be confident, and you better be a crazy South Florida guy that's not scared of Panthers or anything. It is, it is back country in every sense of the word. You are in a remote area without cell phone signal. 
it, it feels be like ready for whatever comes. It feels like you're on the ocean almost. Like you, it's so secluded. I looked at Ricky the first year went down. I said, I feel like I'm in, I'm 30 miles offshore. Yep, that's how it feels. Yeah, there's definitely camps, a... there's old camps. Wait, there's um there's people I know that have swamp buggies and it takes them four hours to get to their camp. Not only because of distance, but because you're limited to the um the speed you're going in the swamp buggy. I wanted to ask you about that actually. I'm glad you brought that up. I'd forgot to write that down, and Ricky didn't remind me. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna blame it on him. I have a friend from South Florida, and and the first time I ever heard about the Everglades, they have a camp, and what the way he, you might you might correct me if I'm wrong. They have a camp built on stilts out over the water, and they used to dog hunt it back in the 80s, but he said they're one of the few families left that still keep a permit in the Everglades to have a camp, and they have to write the number of the permit on top of their roof or something. It's wild, and they took these buggies with airplane wheels. I don't know. It's, he, it was some crazy stories, but I got to look at all the pictures one day in his photo album, and I'm like, this is the wildest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, when the... When the um... When the preserve took over in 74, they actually took all the landowners' rights away, like a lot of the squatter camps, they called them. And then some people did have some deeds, and then they honored those. And then those deeds can be sold or, or given to a family member. But you, you cannot, like, there's no new ones anymore. Right. They brought in all their food, folks. They would... They'd all meet in like an area where they had all the buggies parked. They'd unload the buggies and load them up, and they'd travel like like Eddie said, hours into the into the swamp there, and they would just live. Or they had like pet alligators that would come live under the the boardwalk from one building to another one. It looks like truly amazing, and I probably need to get back in touch with them because I'd like to just go go see it. Yeah, some of them are real cool. They're self sustained out there with like solar panels and generators, and they have air conditioning. And they mow the grass and have feeders. Oh gosh! Yeah, there's one, think there's about one that. real known one. I, there's one real known one called Poppenhagers that has a landing strip and everything. I was gonna say I saw. I think I saw that map scouting. There might be a couple with airstrips, but that's cool, man. That's so cool, and folks. We have people listening from all over the Eastern Seaboard and hopefully um, out west eventually. But South Florida Everglades is truly it'll capture you and it's it's miserable but it's like type two fun while you're there you're like this sucks my feet have been wet for three days i'm tired of hiking but when you get home you're like there's just something magical about the vastness and the wildness and oh gosh and if i'm ever successful in harvesting an animal down there which i know ricky i know ricky well enough he's not going to stop until he gets one down there but it's it's just if I shoot, if I were to harvest a South Florida buck out out of one of them places down there, I would absolutely mount it. I've I've already said that I've got too many deer heads. I'm not mounting anything else. But if I shoot a buck down there, it's it's getting mounted. There's an old saying that says, if you can harvest a South Florida buck, you can shoot a deer anywhere, anywhere on earth. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Only and our archery skills have to be super sharp from the tree because have you seen the size of our deer? A full grown buck is 130 pounds. Wow. Oh, yeah. An eight point is 130 pounds. My biggest buck ever, who was a monster by weight, he was like only 150 pounds. I saw Jeez. a fella on your um on your Instagram. I'm I'm guessing he passed, but he killed a monster. I'm trying. It- yeah. yeah, yeah. It was called the Heart Buck, and he was also a South Florida legend. Um, his name was Gilberto Reese, one of my best friends, and he's the man that showed me South Florida archery. See, before, um, before he took me under his wing and made me his mentor, I was just shooting a bow. I wasn't an archer. You know, he explained the difference and 
instructed me the difference between shooting a bow and being an archer, you know? Sure. Um, folks, right. if you're wondering what we're talking about, if you check out um, Eddie's Instagram, which is awesome, an awesome view into the South Florida lifestyle, this book that he's talking about, I mean, he is a giant for North Florida. I, I mean, it, I don't even know. It was 120. Was it was a 120 inch book. Yeah, he's probably got 20 inch beams. He's beautiful, isn't it? A clean eight point, folks. A clean eight point that went 120. Yeah, we call everybody called him the heart book because what? his horns are shaped like a heart. That's right. They are. I'm looking at it right now. What What is the average? I mean, I got to guess, but we'll tell our our, our um fans. What is an average book? A, a good book there, 90 inches. Correct. 87 to 90 inches would be a nice stud. Anything over that is a bonus. And of course, if you get a hundred inch, you're in that club, you know, the South Florida hundred inch club. Well, that's a statewide thing. Now I, 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 people already know, but I harvested my first Florida registry last year and I hunt in North Florida. So you guys doing it down there, that's just compounding how good of, how good of woodsman you are. There's another good hunter on Instagram. His name is at Richard Peebles. And uh, this one time, I missed a stud buck during bow season. And then two weeks later, Richard came and got him. When he measured him up, he was 104 inches. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I was telling you, my biggest buck to date last year, I hunted him like, I think, 17 days in a row. I got crazy over him. It was on a private lease. And uh, he only went 102 and 5'8", but I'm telling you right now, I could have done backflips because I've hunted my whole life. And, I, and a lot of my close friends have hunted their whole lives here. And, you know, these are just – piney woods deer they don't have a lot of nutrition um speaking of nutrition what what are your deer eating down there are you hunting food sources listen i've been here my entire life i've been yes i do hunt um food sources to not get off topic in big cypress national preserve i know what they eat they eat like um like a water lily type lettuce i really don't know what the plant is called and then where they eat it it looks like you chopped it up with like a, a weed eater so hmm. I can get on their food real fast, but some of the other WMAs like um, like the Everglades, just going to call it that, not right. Big Cypress, but there's another area, right. vast area called the Everglades. It's just water and sawgrass, and they kill some remarkable bucks in there. So even I'm puzzled with nutrition. Like, wow, you know? Yeah, deer are the most, they're the most great, they're the greatest creatures in the world at, at adapting to their environment. Right. So again, you want to hear the woodsman theory on, on why they can survive without nutrition? Absolutely. The woodsman theory is that it is so hot down here that they don't need any fat whatsoever on their body. As a matter of fact, it's the reverse. They're trying to stay cool. Me too. So none of the caloric intake ever has to go towards sustaining any fat or getting ready for any type of winter. So supposedly their nutrition goes where they've evolved so that their nutrition goes right to their horns. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. It almost follows Bergman's rule. You know, the far, farther North you go, the bigger the deer are because they need body mass to survive winters. Um, Eddie, t a lot of people listening probably won't know what a key deer is. Will you explain that? A key deer is a critically endangered animal that lives in the Florida Keys. It is a miniature white tailed deer. You know what a pony is to a horse? This would be the same thing to a white-tailed deer, but they are tiny. They a are. full-grown buck is the size of a Labrador. They're pretty cool because they'll you'll have like an eight-point and a ten-point, and they'll come up and eat Doritos out of your car. You're not supposed to feed them, folks. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, those are yeah. That's a different thing there. Uh, I was going to ask you. They're not supposed to. So the tourists don't know any better. So they're they're always telling the tourists to stop feeding them. But some of them are such studs, man. They're so beautiful. Some of them got some big racks you don't expect to see on something the size of a Labrador. You know. Yeah, they're oh, on yeah. big. They're on Big Pine Key, right? Yes, Big Pine Key is where you find them. Ricky, big Pine we need Key to go has a vast. Um, it has a vast pine forest in there like natural pine forest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's the only source of fresh water in the lower keys a lot of people don't know that the mangroves no they actually have a lake with alligators so could you imagine how long those things have been there wow yeah that's wild. probably wow. millions of years right if we have to think about it that's true that's true oh yeah um i was gonna ask you you'd mentioned the you know finding food sources in different uh terrains but that uh that type of habitat like the everglades big cypress area that specific type with like savannas and uh cypress domes and stuff when you're hunting because you mentioned you're a stand hunter mainly are you relying on like rut activity hunting pinch points and trails or are you are you finding food sources that they're keying in on i'm finding trails on the food sources and then um there's usually rubs in the same area so i look for travel corridors Okay. Dude, Are those dude, live oaks that you're finding or, or water uh, oaks? Just sit on a cypress tree right at the edge of the swamp where it meets the savanna. And uh, if you catch it at the right time, like the tide, they'll come out of the cypress swamp out into the savanna to feed and chase and do what deer do. And then you intercept okay. them on the way in or on the way out. So so you okay. watch deer chase around the savanna kind of like uh, like Ranella did on that Sika deer hunt? but. That- is that what do you, do you see? Do you see? Yeah, sure, I was thinking of that. It's very comparable. Yes, I've seen deer dog and does across the savanna, and I'm like, man, could you imagine they end up here and I get a bow shot? Next thing you know, she's running by, and then you're, you're taking a shot at the animal, meh, trying to stop him, and he's hauling ass, you know? Hey, I've learned to just go, hey, <laughs> I just yell hey at him now because you got, I've heard, I've heard yelled meh up in Illinois, everywhere, and they just keep moving. If I go, hey, <laughs> they, they stop and go, what was that? Now, Oh, uh, Ricky, by the way, while we're still on the topic, it sounds like you and I need to go shed hunt um, Big Pine Key. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering uh, if that was legal or not. I'm sure people do it, but it's a lot. I of... never even thought of that. I never even thought of that. Can you imagine that, how many are laying that, around? Yeah. Is all that pine forest private? I know, like, going back to No Name Pub, there's a lot of, you know, private residences and stuff. But... Right. No, it's actually a um, national wildlife refuge. Okay, and folks, by the way, if you go into Kmart, there's a there's a famous Kmart down we buy our fishing stuff from, and ask them for a uh, hunting license, they don't laugh. They love their key deer down there, so don't touch them, don't feed them. Oh man, some people get in trouble. I don't know. I think they're so cute. Some people assume that they want to take them home and make them pets. (laughs) Strange. I I believe you. Um, no, no, no! I'm a bail bondsman. I've actually had to write a bond for that one time. They gave the guy five years in state prison. Wow! Wow! Really? Yeah. One of the he, he had one hog tied, and then the other one was hog tied, but then the second one was a little loose. You know, like when you hog tie a hog and they, they can shake a little bit. Oh man! And then he had a broken tail light, and when they pulled the guy over, um, they found the two deer, and one had to be euthanized because if it was a uh, hurt from trying to free itself. Oh no. So, Eddie, I'm, I'm a – uh, go ahead. The guy had no prior record 
But could you imagine the day of trial, all, all the activists and everybody was there, it's a critically endangered animal, so they made an example out of him, and they gave him five years of state prison. Jeez, he's in Rayford for trying to take a deer home. I am um, actually an official measure for Boone and Crockett, and they, over at headquarters in, in Missoula, Montana, they have a bunch of wild mounts, and the director actually called me, since I'm one of the only Florida measurers, and he's like, hey man, would you be willing to drive down to the Keys and get a key deer from the um, FWC office down there and mail it to me and I'll send you all the mailing stuff. And I'm like, absolutely. Because they want a full body key deer mount. And I guess a buck I got hit by a car and through FWC, they were going to work something out to have a full body key deer taken to Missoula. But they ended up, um, I think the the FWC office ended up handling it. So I didn't have to drive down there, but that would have been cool, man. Yeah, that would have been great. What did they want it for? Like a museum or something? Yes, they have like a museum in Missoula at headquarters and it's, amazing um it's yeah it's 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 really cool and so they wanted to have him in there just for example of okay here's a deer here's a you know dakota's borealis or whatever from canada and here is a key deer you know here, here's the difference because boone and crockett first and foremost is a conservation organization the trophy aspect of it is just secondary so they like you know teaching people and, and you know letting people learn educating new that's people right. that's right what we try to do as hunters that's right get, get people to see our perspective on things you know folks get so mad at boone and crockett because of the score system they're like oh well uh, nets are for fishing or uh, if he's got antlers i'm counting them well that's fine but the only reason boone and crockett wants these official measures these official scores is for conservation because a healthy mature whitetail buck will have equal points coming off the outside leading edge of a main beam and no abnormal points. So that's what they reward in their score system. They don't they don't care about trophy. They just care about conservation. I'm with it. I see it as a way of documenting the health of the herd. That, that's sure right. That tells you how many healthy seeing, herds, you know. Right. We've been seeing larger bucks throughout history as we've learned of our modern conservation. Well, and some things will surprise you. Um, I was talking about, I was talking to him one day. I actually went to Maine and, kill, and we got a moose together, this guy. Um, he's a real good friend of mine. He'll be on the show eventually. Um, but he, he's like, I was like, man, I always got the biggest bucks in the country. And he's like, ah, actually over the past three years, I was been declining on their average, you know, size of buck. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So they, they, they're able to gather stuff like that. So it's, it's really cool when you start looking at it from like a biologist standpoint or something like that. Cause I get to talk to him all the time, you know? Awesome. So Going back to hunting down south for deer, and then we're going to move on to some other things unless Ricky has something. Do, without naming any names, Ricky, do you have any quotas like a core, like three that you try for every year? And then if you don't, you try to get redraws on other things or how's that go? Yes, I have two or three core areas that I'm constantly trying to get into. And that um, my friends actually, when they win a permit, a lot of them tend to invite me because they don't know the areas as well as I do, or they don't um, have the experience that I do in finding the deer. But yeah, there's um, three or four South Florida core areas that I do try to hit hard. But believe it or not, where I've harvested most of my bucks have been in the archery area of Big Cypress. I can assure you if I get a quota down there, I'm going to call you. I can assure you that um because <laughs> just the first time actually deer hunting because i know ricky i know we'll end up we'll end up down there um it would be nice to at least get some pointers on hey this is this or that is that and by the way did you see that over there you know by the way do they scrape 
down there? Um, do you guys want to hear something amazing? I've seen a buck scrape as he was sticking his eye in a twig. What do they call that? Um, Pre-orbit gland. When they have an overhanging branch. Mm-hmm. Right. I've seen him doing that, and I've seen him scraping in the water. He actually wasn't scraping any dirt. It's just white-tailed deer instinct, I suppose. Uh, I guess so. He yeah. was scraping like a bull, but he was in the water. But he's got he's a licking branch. Like, oh. Yes. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Yeah, so I was I've seen ask. other behaviors. I've seen them fighting. I've seen them chasing. I've seen them mounting. I've heard one do a um, snort wheeze. Wow. So that, that's what you get buck. to hear a lot of up north, but you don't get to hear down south. You know, not too many hunters have ever heard a snore wheeze down here. And I tell um, you, I didn't think I've about the... seen... Go oh. ahead, bud. Go ahead, buddy. Sorry, no, no, I, it was there's some weather here, so you didn't think about the what? Um, the fact that again, North Florida, where where Ricky and I hunt, you can't see very far. I mean, you're hiking in even like a big like river swamp. You, I mean, if you get in a big open river swamp, you're lucky, but that's that's rare. I didn't think about the fact down there, y'all sit at the edge of a cypress pond and y'all can see for a thousand yards. So you probably do yeah, get to see a lot of activity. Glass. Yes, sir. That's how I usually find my deer. That's my tactic right there on the savannas. First day, I won't even sit against a um, a cypress swamp. I'll sit on one of the islands out on the savannah and I'll just glass all morning or all afternoon and see where they're coming in and out of. And then when I make a move, I know I'm going to make a move right where they're coming in and out of. Yeah, folks, the okay. uh, the savannah he's talking about is so you got like a what they call a cypress dome or whatever, and you'll have literally an ocean of green grass that looks the same for a thousand yards or two thousand yards, and it even waves like with the wind. It's it's something remarkable that everyone should see, um, just from a uh, tourist aspect, not hunting because we want quotas. <laughs> so uh, the, uh, so when you when you see those deer when you're glassing like that when they're coming out of the the cypress domes or the oak strands, pine strands, whatever, uh, do they tend to bed in the same areas uh, or do they seem to move around from strand to strand? It depends. There is some deer that I've observed are from their core areas. Okay. Mostly the does. But then there is these uh, bucks. We call them prairie bucks. It's just pretty useless and impossible to target one of those with bow. They don't really bed anywhere in the same area. They're just all over the prairie. They don't even run to the woods when you when you bust them up. They just go down the prairie. They're gone. And I guess you try could... to get on them tomorrow because he spotted them again. He's going to do the same thing again. You know. They could be cruising for does from August until the end of the season down there. I guess from what you're saying, just the the does keep coming into into estrus. Well, any one particular doe, not like a herd. Well, our, our rut is pretty patterned, like it's going on right now. And then it might last until like the first or second week of September. Right. It's pretty much done, like our real rut. And then any one particular doe in any herd can come into estrus. So it's like an individual basis at that point. Yes. Yes. It's not like a real rut, like Georgia or South Carolina, where you go on Thanksgiving or Halloween. No, we don't have any of that. Right. You, just, right. you ever seen that meme? From the office where everybody's like, it's happening. It's happening. What's the procedure? What's the procedure? That's everybody running to the woods when it's happening. Yeah, that's that's what's 
would be crazy down there because you could find, you know, they call it the second rut or the third rut. It's just that doe just didn't get bred the first time around. She's coming back into estrus, uh, you know, 30 whatever days later. But down there, I mean, you'd really have to be on the spot to be where that one doe is. You know what I mean? It's not, it's large tracks, large tracks of land. So, yeah, but you can get lucky. You ain't going to get lucky on the couch. That's, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, a lot of our South Florida hunting, the reason we're so proud of these bucks, even though they're small and uh, other people don't really understand, it's just, it's the amount of work that you have to put in to harvest one of these things, you know? That's exactly right. There's an added factor nobody thinks of. There's an added factor not many deer hunters think of, and that is the swamp. Good luck tracking blood through the swamp. That's exactly. Good, that's a good topic, actually. Um, next, next. I've <laughs> I've shot a deer before. He ran through the swamp, right? I've had a little bit of a, a blood trail that I can track on the leaves above as he was spraying. Um, I said, man, I'm going to give him some time. Thunderstorm. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. So it's its own so unique set of challenges here, not only to be able to get a shot at an animal, but to also recover it. But some of these tracking dogs from South Florida are pretty amazing, too. They got to have long legs, huh? No, I've actually seen a beagle swimming and tracking <laughs> scent on the water once. They found a doe for me when they were legal. I believe that. I think Ricky <laughs> so and myself. Ricky and myself both have a new theory on small small trailing dogs are probably better. The Lord of the ground, right? That's right. Yeah. They yeah, that, all that blood more. There's such a value to to that to the effort of the hunt and the experience of the hunt, even though you know the deer may be generally smaller, smaller racks, whatever. Like Justin was saying, I, I would do the same thing when I finally kill a buck down there. He's getting mounted, and uh, it's just. You know, I think more people are realizing that nowadays, but you guys are really putting in the effort to, to kill deer down there, like, for real. So, you, you want to know what's a shame? They don't let you track uh, wounded deer in Big Cypress with a dog. That is a I never understood shame. why. That is a complete shame. Um, I mean, the, the other WMAs, um, mandatory, the dog has to be on a leash, you know? So, I guess right. that would eliminate the wildlife... Um, the factor of like molesting the wildlife or whatever, mm -hmm. but Big Cypress doesn't allow them at all. And Big Cypress used to allow dog hunting. Well, I guess before '74, wouldn't it be? Right. And then the '80s, uh, there's another park. It's now WMA. There used to be dog hunting in there. There used to be a lawless place in the '80s. Mm. It's where they would dump all the bodies and stuff. I think Ricky read a book it's about a that. Some, some game warden wrote a book about <laughs> the craziness down in the Everglades. <clears throat> Yeah, he was a uh, commissioned paid game wardens down there, and uh, he would basically have to let people go for violating. You know, he'd catch them blatantly, make him you know doing violations, and it was either get killed trying to arrest this guy out here in the middle of the Everglades, or or just let him go and catch him later. That's yeah, I could imagine very remote. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely remote. there's no place like it in the world. Yeah. There's actually three habitats that are similar in the world. If you guys want to know what they are, it's the Florida Everglades, the Okavango Delta in Africa, and what do you call the one in Brazil? The rain, um, uh, the Amazon. The Amazon. Wow. Yeah. I almost went to the Amazon for a show. I, 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 I mean, I've been on a, a TV show before, and I almost went to the Amazon. Part of me wishes I'd have went. 
Um, and but part of me doesn't want all those crazy bugs and diseases they have down there and dengue fever and stuff like that. Um, so when when did have when did they um disallow harvest of does? When did they ban that down there? Because what I understand is when they changed the buck rules for the state of Florida, the South Florida guys were pretty upset, and I didn't understand why until one of them explained it to me on Florida Sportsman Forum. Um, that well, we can only harvest bucks down here, man. You're killing us. Right, right. Um, well, most of the South WMAs, like uh, from the Palm Beach County line south, they haven't really allowed the doe harvest. It's always been from that line north. But um, from that line north, they eliminated the doe harvest, I'd say four years ago, five years ago. What a lot of these guys are referring to is they changed up the way that you can harvest those period in South Florida on private lands which oh, is okay. I think they can only get them during archery and then they get two weekends during gun. Okay. Yeah. It'd be the same up here. We're allowed to shoot. We only get two for the year, but we're allowed to take them in either archery or the two. Well, this year, I think it's a two day doe weekend, which is a horrible two weekends of doe season, right? Or is it one weekend? It's one now. Um, and it, I think it's a terrible idea. I think you should just get your two does and to be able to harvest whenever you want throughout the year, because especially with kids and stuff, man. I don't even know who makes these these regulations sometimes, to be honest. Biologists that do not hunt. That's what I see. A college kid that's probably never been in the Cypress swamps where he's making the regulations for. Definitely hasn't spent as much time as you or Ray down there, that's for sure. I mean, it, it seems to me that they would want feedback from you guys, people like you. But they don't care. Just like the snapper season. The snapper is, is atrocious up here. We And in northeast Florida, we live right here, um, you know, out of Jacksonville, out of Mayport. We have 40 miles of snapper habitat, and it, you absolutely cannot get a bait down past the snapper now. It is ridiculous. I mean, it's 20 pounders every time you drop it. Uh, that's exaggerating. 15 to 20 pounders every time you drop it. And it's crazy. And we got two We got two days this year? I mean, come on. Yeah, it's unfair. It's definitely unfair. Um, we'll, we'll change gears here. Um. I almost had another guest on today. My friend that lives up here now, and he's from South Florida. He's going to be mad that I didn't tell him about this, but it's okay. What is an STA? And because it's a completely foreign term up here. I don't know if you know that. And what do you do on an STA? An STA is a stormwater treatment area. What happens is that adjacent to the Everglades, there was a sugar crops and the sugar had a lot of runoff that was actually choking the grasses of the Everglades. So scientists figured out a way to clean the water from the ranches before it gets to the Everglades by using natural filters, roots from a certain tree. So the government created these areas called storm water treatment area, STA. And um, what they did besides cleaning up the Everglades with this thing is they made an artificial duck habitat that gets loaded with ducks. I tell people I have ducks here duck hunts here that'll rival any you've seen on tv what kind of ducks? I've thousands of ducks i can send them to you on my instagram it looks like um arkansas i have hunts where it's looked like arkansas are those like black ducks or what are they um man we get our bucks might be small but we get them trophy ducks i've shot limits of widgeon limits of pintail we got a lot uh, of blue wings green wings i might have to come um, down and get on some of that man blue wings green wings Model ducks, South Florida model ducks is a big thing. That's a big a duck, of, right? Um, yes, it's a big duck. You're allowed one a day. 
We get a lot of ringneck ducks. That the, the ringneck duck is a South Florida duck. I mean, in the public areas, that's mostly what you kill. Mm-hmm. And then in the last 10 years, we've had a great population explosion of black belly whistling ducks. They're wow. very tasty and they're fun to shoot. And we got a lot of them down here. Hmm. My friend that moved up here, we hunted behind my house and we there there's a bunch of wood ducks here and there's a really big roost in the woods behind my house is probably 15 acres 20 acres and it's flooded year round which is rare for us but man he never killed a wood duck and he said we don't have them in south florida and i said what do you mean but yeah we, we all i will say almost 100 percent of our ducks here are wood ducks yeah um the stas they've changed the laws a lot we don't know why. I think maybe the duck harvest was a little higher than they were comfortable with, you know? Kind of like the bear. They don't like to see us have success of fields, you know? Right. Yeah, kind of like the bear hunt. Yeah, they skunked it. That still bothers me, and I talk about it almost every episode because I That's hate That's funny it. That, that, that you thought of bringing that up, and I was I was going to bring it up in this uh, podcast, but I didn't know how to bring it up, and you just brought it up, too. There, there's our uh, transition into it. So STA 3-4, for example... Um, used to give out 40 permits in the morning to hunt. You apply for them through the Florida quota system. And on those 40 permits, it was three hunters per permit. So like, if you want a permit, you can invite me and Ricky. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know where they made it 20 permits. So they just slashed the, um, the hunters in half, just one year to the next. And wow. it's still, and it's still six ducks a day. Yes. We um we also used to have a lottery in the morning where all right, say Ricky, you want a permit, and then you gotta be there by 5 30 and you didn't show up, they would raffle that off to the hunters that were just waiting around. We used to call it the bread line. We all go <laughs> hang out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I I'm gonna sh- I think I have it on my Instagram there on my old I'm gonna send you a bunch of cool stuff, like three hundred people in the morning waiting on the bread line, you know, for like wow. ten permits. And they did away with the morning lottery too. Wow. There's now a place. You can do the lottery in the afternoon, but we all know, you know, you can get some ducks in the afternoon, but morning duck hunts is really where it's at, you know? There, there's a place here that's out by Ponte Vedra and it's public, but it's, it used to be you line up and they let the first hundred people in, you know, and we would sleep out there in our trucks and like make little fires and, you know, drink beer the night before and just sleep in our trucks in line with our, with our duck, duck boats. <laughs> but let me tell you, we, we limited almost always on teal there. And it was pretty cool. Do you have teal? You said. Yes, sir. We got green wing teal and blue wing teal. That's a fun little duck to shoot. And that's tasty as well. Mm-hmm, they're fun. Like little yeah, fighter but- jets. <laughs> maybe we'll have to have somebody on from fwc that can give us some more can enlighten us on some of those decisions because i've noticed on a lot of the the quota hunts around here they've lowered the the number and i think that's a lot of the reason you know people are getting frustrated with the redraws and, and just getting drawn in general and point point creep is happening in florida which is insane but that's a population issue with our state but you know I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to see why they decrease the, the quota numbers like that and if it's happening throughout the state or if it's just in certain areas. Yeah, point creep in Florida is absolute insanity. Yeah. <laughs> I've never even heard of point creep. Oh, man. Well, I mean, a quota used to get every year. Now it's taking you three points to get. Well, by the time everybody in the world 
starts coming here, man, especially for Turkey. Gosh, people, y'all putting y'all quit putting in for the Turkey quotas because it's getting crazy. Like everybody in the world wants to hunt South Florida, but my, myself yeah, well, included. What we're complaining about is the, the best um, WMA for, for Osceola's in the South Florida WMA system. It's like all the out-of-staters are getting applied the permits. We almost feel like, like we want them to come to the state, but I think they should regulate it like they do in other states where it's only 10% of the permits awarded can go to out-of-staters or something. You That's know? exactly right, because every state that elk hunt, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I live here. I pay my taxes here. My money stays here. I understand the tourism and they bring money, but I mean, you got to make it fair for both. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And if they're doing it in other states, we're wondering why they don't want to do it here. And chances are we're paying a lot more taxes than they are there. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> um, Yeah, there's the places that I elk hunt or, and, and mule deer hunt. My gosh, they only give like 10% to non, non-residents. They don't care. They like, you know, our residents are important and good luck. Yep. Do you, uh, let's talk about hog hunting down there. Do you, do you do any of that? Hogs are not for anything for me. They're just bycatch. Right. I don't really target. I mean, I used to, but, um, hogs are actually very hard to get on WMAs. They get smart very fast. They do. They do wisen up fast. I tell people that they don't believe me. Yep. Hogs uh, now, get real nocturnal real fast if they're in a hunted WMA. Are they on now? Are you allowed to go after them, say, on Big Cypress any time of the year, or is there a small game no, season? No, no. That's, that's a misconception. The state should clarify that or something because you can chase hogs year round on what they call public land and private land, mm-hmm. but WMAs have their own set of laws and, and season dates, and they're yeah. individual one of the other one. Um, you know, it's funny as Ricky brought it up a minute ago, I guess I haven't told him yet. I'm actually working on a, a FWC warden to come on the show. He's checking with his superiors right now, but I'm going to get him on to, you know, we're going to ask, we're probably going to do like a listener Q and a, just like random questions you'd like to ask an officer. This guy himself is a really cool guy. He doesn't want to write you tickets. He will, if you deserve it, you know what I'm saying? And this is the kind of guy he's practical. He's pragmatic. I want him on. So it'd be fun to, pick his brain on why these decisions are made or if he even knows he might not even know why they're made right like yeah, i think those goliath are made at a... what'd you say eddie like the goliath grouper issue too no oh. fishermen have issues with that exactly if you're gonna let us keep one let us keep the one we want yeah and as spear fishermen they don't let us target them and uh you can't get them over 30 pounds it was like so restrictive you know mm-hmm. like snook almost yeah. Go ahead, Rick. And from what I understand, the the biologists they're just making suggestions. They're not even really the ones making the decisions. It's people. It's a, at a more at a political level. Yeah, uh, I was say student type people. It's more in a lobbyist right. level, I would imagine. She would think they would listen to the biologists because I'm pretty sure the biologists recommended the bear hunt to begin with. So, <laughs> so um. Yeah, we need to be able to hunt these bears. It's getting pretty. Um, Eddie, we live not far from the uh, Okefenokee Swamp here in South Florida, or South Georgia. And about what, Ricky, eight years ago, it burnt like the whole thing. It was a big forest fire. Well, when that happened, a lot of bears swam the river and came into Florida, and they have been our problem ever since. They destroy feeders, they destroy 
deer stands. They and once a bear comes in, a hog can come into a, a set, and a deer is going to be okay with that. He'll just come in a different time. When a bear comes in, from my experience, deer vacate. They're out of there, and a bear will not leave until he'll. Re- he, I had a feeder up one time out on a limb. He climbed the limb, jumped my feeder, and ripped it to the ground, and sat there and ate every single bit. Yep. Down here, same thing. I will see some deer flying through the savannah. I'm like, man, what's going on? Something's spooking him. And then you'll see the bear a couple mm-hmm. hundred yards trailing. So wherever the bears are, you know, they push the deer. You're breaking up a little bit there, but do you see um do you see more bears or more cats? I guess you felt they said you've only seen a more few cats. bears, I guess, because they're more visible out in the savannas. They probably move more with daylight hours and the cats do. Right. That's true. Um, I heard y'all have an issue with, uh, berry pickers down there. Yes, sir. All right, folks. He, I'm gonna let Eddie explain it. He probably knows it better than I do, but there's a, there's a problem here in the South, um, of, a natural resource going to, uh, the, the sale market. Yes. Saw palmetto berries. Do you guys know what they use it for? Uh, Ricky told I'll me one time. Medication. Yeah, some kind of. <laughs> it's supposed to be a natural remedy for like an enlarged prostate yeah. or a natural remedy for um, like low testosterone or whatever. And they, they say it actually scientifically does work. And it grows down here in the wild forest. So the poachers get $4 a pound for the thing is, most of the wardens and the hunters, we don't even care. thing is, a lot of the blossom is happening as we're in our stands. So these guys are coming through, running off all your deer. And then what does bother us besides the fruit, because the fruit doesn't bother really anybody too much, is that they trash the place, man. Mm. You'll find, you'll, they'll make like little camps out there and you'll see all their trash and toilet paper and just a mountain of trash, you know? That bothers everyone. So they, they just made a local bust up here. They call on him. They made a bust up there. Yeah, they just made a bust up here. It's like twenty six hundred pounds here in our hometown, and I'm thinking these guys are out there at night. I guess they were Guatemalans. They're out there at night with bags traipsing through this stuff that makes me nervous traipsing through now. I mean, with the ticks and the snakes and the and everything else. I can't imagine how many of them get bit by rattlesnakes, you know, but they, they got busted with 2,600 pounds of palmetto berries. That's wild. How much, how, how long did it take them to get that? Makes you wonder. Yeah, that's yeah. what I always wonder. But just to clarify, it, it is legal if you have a permit from the landowner, but it is not legal on public lands. So right. that's the but issue. Then <laughs> down here also, they're trespassing on people's private properties. Right. And I don't even mean like rural, um, ranch houses like we have an area they call the estates where it's like woods and nice homes and then you're drinking coffee and you look out your kitchen there's like people in your yard picking berries you know wow jeez i guess that is pretty good money in it though you know is it are there any conflicts down there anybody you know are there any what sir are there any conflicts down there with you all that stuff like uh physical altercations or no, I've actually, they've seen me before, and I guess because I was in Camel, they assumed I was like um, Customs Border Patrol or something, they all went running off into the woods, and then that was pretty <laughs> scary. Not that I'm yeah. scared of them, but it was three men, you know, and I'm out there by myself, and I felt like, you know, like when they run and then they stop and they have eyes on you, you don't know where they are. 
That's the feeling I got. I'm like, man, these guys can decide to jump me or something, and they think I'm a cop out here, you know? Yeah, they could cut you and leave you for dead. Yeah. Most of them are illegals. Oh, yeah. So, I think yeah, I yeah, saw somebody's of... story this week about that. Yeah, I think Instagram. I'd send it to you. Most of them are illegal. So you're you're wasting your gas money to go scout, which is very expensive. You're wasting your money on license. All the taxes on top of everything you got to pay of all your sporting equipment. You wait for the government days that are set. And then while you're there, these these guys that are just stealing from the land, coming here illegal, are just they're messing up your hunt. It's just not fair, you know? Right. I don't think it's fair. What... um. What is your what is your favorite turkey hunt down there? Do you have a set one that was like, oh my gosh, it took me a, a week to kill this guy, or or I had to hike in ten miles for this, or and do you ever hunt off a buggy? Like, do you get do you ever get taken in on a buggy? Because that seems like a much better option for me. No, sir, I don't go in on a buggy. Okay, and I have one memorable hunt where I shot a long beard. I'm actually looking at his trophy now. Um, I don't know how I was up there, but down here before you were allowed to hunt turkeys only till 1 p.m. Okay. So I hunted some spot. I didn't hear any gobbles. I didn't hear anything. Um, and I hunted till about 9.30. Then I told my buddy, because I didn't quit. I used to hunt till 1. That's how I would get on the having breakfast. No. So I told my buddy, instead of going to camp, let's go to Bear Island unit. Get in the truck, get to Bear Island unit, which was like, you know, 14 miles up the road. Point is, I'm checking in by like 11.40. The guy tells me, you know, you have an hour and 20 minutes, right? And I said, you know, the game uh, station attendant. Mm -hmm. I said, that's all right. I'm just going to go shoot a turkey and come right back. I said that just trash talking, you know, trying right. to make everybody have a good time. And then um, must have been, I don't know, like 12, 15. And I stepped on a palm frond that was dry on the floor, you know, like it crunched. And he just gobbled right there. I was like, what? I cannot believe that there's a, this is, no, this is a dream or something. Then I hit a slate, gobbled right there. I sat on the trail, came out, boom, blasted him. And I went back to the check station. And the check station attendant was like scratching his head and like, you knew where he lived, huh? It was just so random. Man, the legs, my legs right one now. one of my more memorable homes. Yeah, my legs right now and the blisters that I got when I was down there are mad at you for that that story. Yeah, it was like <laughs> a fist. I swear, I swear the whole thing was a, it was like a half an hour hunt. You're breaking up a like little eight bit. eight inch beard. Yeah, because there's some heavy, there's some heavy weather here. Okay. Um, he had about an eight inch beard. He had like an eight inch beard. Um, that's awesome. When do your turkeys start gobbling down there? February. Okay. Nice and cool. They'll start. They'll start their stuff in February. Okay. It Ricky. seems like. I was just gonna say, it seems like at least where the places we were hunting. Uh, once you find once you do find a gobbler down there that's that is you know once you find one that's act actively gobbling uh they're pretty responsive but that's the problem is finding them at least that was in my experience is that you think the same thing what you just have to find the birds and they'll typically be more responsive down here 
if you want to be successful, you have to find like not a roosting tree, but a roosting area. Right. Because a lot of our South Florida Osceolas, they'll do um, tree gobbles and then they'll just shut up the moment they hit the ground. Mm. So that's the tough part. So a lot of the a lot of the hunts here are silent birds that come creeping into your decoys when you least expect it. You know. So you never know when you're just your calls. If I had a dollar for every time I thought it was over and I got up to stretch and he's running away, mm. I'd probably have 12 more turkey. Yeah, buddy. Ricky, you got anything else, buddy? So there's no turkey on. Excuse me, sir? I, I couldn't hear you. You broke up. I'm sorry. You're, you're pretty garbled. Yeah, there's a, there's a bad storm going on right now. I just rolled in. Ain't no worries, man. Um, Ricky, do you have anything? Uh, no, sir, I don't. Eddie, you got anything else you want to talk about? Um, when are you guys coming down? What's up with the quotas? You guys I, get them quotas and you got the golden ticket. I'm really – well, here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you on air. Um, I'm going to ask if you'd come back on um, in February for turkey season. Anytime, man. You guys can – have me on the show whenever you'd like. I love being on this. Yeah, and it, what's great about us is we get to meet. Sorry, what's great about us is we get to do this show, and by the end of it, we feel like we're we're real good friends with our guests, and and I feel yeah, the same. Yeah, we got a rapport now. Yeah, I feel the same way about you. I feel like we could be friends, man. But I'd like to have you on in February, um, and maybe you and your buddy, your buddy, we all talk about down there, um, but. The, and that would have to be like a two and a half hour episode because I cannot imagine the the knowledge that's going to come out of you two on turkey hunting down there. Because we'll do it. We'll schedule it. All right, brother. Yeah. Well, folks, he um, is the turkey king, though. He he is. I know he is, and. Uh, I'm going to keep working on him and, I'm, and Eddie's going to work on him too. And um, we'll go ahead and uh, sign off today since there's so much, you know, um, weather down there, but I promise you folks um, bear with us. This is not the last time we're going to have Eddie on. He's a, he's a straight killer. He's a, he's a savage. He's a South Florida crazy. Um, thank Eddie, you. Eddie, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Yeah, we appreciate it. It was good talking to you, Eddie. All right, man. Talk to you guys soon, and you guys keep up on my Instagram, and we'll talk through there. Yeah. So this is uh, Justin and and Ricky and 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 Crazy Eddie uh, signing off from the woods. Thank you all. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Y'all stay with us. This train's gonna keep on rolling. I promise you, we're gonna have some great episodes, some great guests. You're going to learn some stuff and so are we. Thanks again.